Fred Lavery and Sheila Kingston. Sorry, I'm late. The two straightest cops in L.A. I gotta get a bikini wax. Yeah, just stop telling me about that disgusting female stuff. Are about to be thrown a curve. I need you to go undercover to a a island resort. It's a place for S and M, B and B and B and S. They're going undercover to pursue an international smuggling ring. Here's some bondage magazines to study up on. In the last place on earth, these two should ever go. Welcome to Eden Island, where your fantasy is our pleasure. I'm here to make your body tingle. This is that so. Our headmistress of Eden, Mistress Lisa. Do your parents know you do this? Man, oh man, what a bunch of oddballs. It's against their principles. Hey! their policy. <laughs> now that is something I would not have been capable of. And against their grade, Lucy. <laughs> oh, sorry. Well, why don't you go lay in front of the door and you can play guard boy. This pleasure island is starting to get to me. We're talking about you all over the island. Get out. Hi there, big boy. But if they're going to crack this case, Ow. they may flash more than their badges. Like Elvis goes to hell. From the director of Pretty Woman. I know we gotta solve this case soon because hanging around here, I am so horny. Dana Delaney, Paul Mercurio, Rosie O'Donnell, Dan Aykroyd, in a Gary Marshall film. Whoa, well, uh, pardon me. Wow. She's trying to kill me, you idiot! I don't have any cops. And the only two people on this island without handcuffs. Exit to Eden. How can I fulfill your fantasy? paint my house hello everyone welcome to the dan Aykroyd podcast i'm your host scott white and i am being joined again by my good friend mr will fordice hello will say hello to everybody hey everybody (laughs) uh will this is his third appearance we have done uh coneheads together and wonderful my stepmother is an alien less wonderful Will was like, we got to do this movie. This is one of my favorite movies. And I'm like, well, okay. I we We're doing Exit to Eden. If I recall, I asked you what, what was the bar for low after watching My Stepmother Was an Alien. And you brought this one up. And this was my first experience watching this movie. Ugh. <laughs> this was actually my first time watching this movie, too. This movie has a 7% on Rotten Tomatoes. I didn't know that, but I I went into it, not to jump too far ahead, but it, it was essentially, to me, my assessment was it was a softcore porn that you could find on Cinemax, like a Cinemax movie that they put maybe some storyline in the background. This is not the lowest movie I've done. Caddyshack 2 has a 4%. Okay. On Rotten Tomatoes. This has seven. And oh, wow. This, now, I remember this when this movie came out. And it was a big deal because it dealt with S&M. We'll get mm-hmm. into the movie. But the gist, it deals with S&M and bondage. And there was full frontal nudity. And, but it was a big time. It was a $30 million budget in 1994. And it had big time stars. And Gary Marshall, who was a big-time director, he just did Pretty Woman, or when did he do Pretty Woman? Ooh. This was around the Pretty Woman time, and he was no—you know—he created he created Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley. He directed those shows. 
because if you remember Pretty Woman, Pretty Woman was a movie about prostitution that was almost wholesomely clean. Yeah. Uh, the And you're saying Happy Days, it's that guy did this movie? Right, right. Wow. And this movie, yeah. So this movie stars Dana Delaney, Paul Mercurio, Rosie O'Donnell, and, of course, Dan Aykroyd. And I looked it up, and this was Paul Mercurio. I've never heard of him before. I've never heard of him before. I've never heard of him since. I I, I, I know absolutely nothing. I've, I've heard of the other three. This was his second movie. This was his second. And, and you know what he's thinking? I got the lead in a Gary Marshall movie <laughs> full of stars. My career That's what he's made. thinking. <laughs> My career is on the uptick. F you guys, and it was this piece I quit of crap. work. <laughs> That's an understatement, man. I mean, there were some hopeful moments because the, the I watched the previews before I dug too deep to find the movie on the uh, interwebs, if you will. Um, and and I was like, there, there was there's a hint of potential, and I was like, all right, well, let's see what this is about. Well, I watched it. You hear that? That is a VHS tape, my friends. That's what I watched it on. Because this movie is hard to find, so the DVD is like really expensive. Because this movie it's is like a hundred bucks, and I yeah, don't spend don't spend a hundred bucks on this movie. Do not. Oh my goodness! Don't spend any money on. Do not spend any money on this movie. <laughs> That's very true because it's it's it was uh it was it was beyond rough. Like there were times I blacked out. And I was like, what is going, like, I didn't, I'll have some questions at the end because I was in some weird funk mentally from some kind of mental drain from this movie. Well, you texted me and I watched it first and I texted you and I was basically like, okay, look out. And then you watched it and you texted (laughs) me and said, I had to stop the movie a few times. I couldn't get through it. And I had to do the exact same thing. Because this movie is almost two hours long. It's an hour and 54 minutes. A lot of the, not a lot of the runtime, but like there's a good chunk of runtime that's devoted to these like sensual moments between the main characters. And they go off on a tangent for like five, ten minutes of this, you know, S&M, you know, soft weirdness. Well, you texted me. And said, "What? What's the deal with this first scene? Am I watch? Describe how the movie starts. Do that okay. for us, Will. The first, there's a busty maid. At least I hope it's a maid, and she's wearing a not the traditional black and white, but like a traditional cut of a maid's outfit, and it's low cut. And this boy is tasting uh, whatever she's cooking. I'm assuming cookie dough, and he." either does this on I, I want him to do it on purpose but I don't he had kind of this weird he drops the cookie dough on the floor the maid kind of chases him around the kitchen in a broken English accent saying you do this all the time I tell you not to do it and then start spanking him and the boy's reluctant at first but then kind of he, he starts to smile and enjoy the spanking from this voluptuous maid and that's how we're introduced to the main character because then it cuts to... Yeah, that's how we're introduced to the movie. Yeah. And my first thought was, you just dropped the bolt. That's like a little harsh. 
Yeah. You know, she's like beating the kid. He just he just dropped the bull. I mean, I know it's annoying and all that, but good God. Well, I thought, I mean, with the with the kind of the way they cut, I was thinking like he's done this over and over again and he's like into, you know, he knows how to trigger the maid so he can get a spanking. That's what I was, I mean, I mean, there's no allusion to it, but that's what I just assumed as we went a little further. Oh, I was going to say, then we cut to like a weird therapy slash interview scene with the now older main character talking about his, like his life and how he doesn't have a good relationship with anybody. Yes. And his psychiatrist is Hector Alonzo, a very good, very well-respected actor. This movie is filled with top actors. It's not a B film at all. <laughs> the actors are in there. It, it's All of the actors are names, basically. And the acting is good. It's not filled with non-actors. This was like cast as a real movie, and it just turned out to be a softcore porn. I was I was curious before, like when I was going over my notes, if if you could lend a lady um, this the tape, or I can lend them my digital copy um, that I paid for, um, and and you can get a female take because maybe maybe it's a different perspective um, that I just didn't understand at all. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, but. <laughs> The they're at this doctor's office and he's interviewing to go to Eden. It's the name of we'll get into it, but that's the name the the uh the psychiatrist owns this island and it's sort of a sex therapy island. But not just anybody can go. You have to be interviewed to go. When you when we get to the island, it's like 95% of it is populated by buff guys and beautiful women. <laughs> and then there's like the 2 or 3% that are there for comic relief. If 95% of the people who made it are like buff models, then there's like 2%. This movie would have been funnier if the majority of the people didn't look like male and female models. If the staff did, that's fine. But the guests all look like male and female models. It would have been funnier. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to say what I took from it was they were hired to be the subs of the island so that the patrons that pay to be there can use them at their whim and will. And so I assume the people that are, you know, look normal are... um, the people that pay for the experience and the people that like get interviewed and hired because they're signing all these forms are there for the, for like participation as like a a servant. Right. But they have to pay as well. Oh, okay. Cause remember at the end. Yeah. They have to pay as well. It's totally Hollywood where 95% of the cast is beautiful and the 5% that's not beautiful, they're the comic relief. They're the, ha, 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 oh, look at the fat naked guy. That's what they're there for. Every day I look in the mirror, I laugh and think the same Every thing. day I look in the Meh. mirror, there's the fat, yeah. <laughs> so, well, but there's also uh, another storyline going on behind all of this is the is the diamond smugglers. and we're There we're, are these diamond smugglers, yeah. And we're quickly introduced to to, them. Yeah, well, I will say this. The movie doesn't flounder. It gets right into 
it gets right into it. It gets right into the sex part. It gets right into the diamond smuggling part. There's no waiting around for this movie, which, it, like I said, it's almost two hours long, and there's no buildup. That everything <laughs> everything starts immediately because we go to he the our main character Elliot. That's his name, Elliot. Um, <laughs> he is a photographer, and once again, this is one of those. And this is one of those movies that would not exist today because the MacGuffin in this movie is a canister of film. Oh, yeah. So this movie would never... Yeah, this movie would never exist today because this is one of the movies that would be obsolete. They, I don't know if you've seen these where they go back. It's like, if Home Alone happened today, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have happened because their phones would have... You know, the electricity would have gone out, but their phones would have woken them up and blah, blah, blah. So, yes, this is a movie that cannot take place now because the MacGuffin is a canister of film. But we'll get to that in a moment. Oh, yeah. A little later, there's a, a scene with Rosie O'Donnell and floppy disks. So We're at the airport. He's flown in from a gig because it's set up earlier. He's like, when can you go to the island? He's like, well, I've got a gig for a month, and then I can fly back in, and then I can go to the island. So that's why he's in the airport. That was that line was put in that movie specifically to get him in the airport with our bad guys. We see this person, and I'm using air quotes. Uh, this person is dressed as an, an Indian person because they have um, they have a turban on and they have that red dot in the middle of their head, and it, wearing a mustache. This person is clearly. A woman dressed as a man. Clearly not fooling anybody. All those people in the airport are idiots. This person is clearly a woman dressed as a man. Not fooling anybody. Well, I didn't understand the need for the change. Because a little bit later, I mean, we can go into it. I don't know if you have any more on the horrible disguise. But she gets to the terminal and her method is to just drop her bag on the the like turntable that brings the conveyor belt around for the luggage and the guy in the back picks up the the mystery diamonds that he's smuggling well before we get there so this woman is it's is it's pronounced i am the international model was married to uh, david bowie she is the the killer there's two bad guys in the movie and she is one of them, and she is a hired killer who is enabled to... She only kills one person she's supposed to. <laughs> she is totally inadequate as a professional killer because she goes into the ladies' room and she switches out of her fantastic costume and she comes out as a stewardess or airline attendant. And another airline attendant recognizes her and she starts to choke her and takes her into the bathroom stall. And you think, well, she's she's gonna she's killed her because she knows she can identify her and she has seen her, but she doesn't. She just wrestles her into unconsciousness and then leaves. Well, I thought she was it was part of the plan and she was gonna take that person's place as part of a bigger ruse. But even if it was, wouldn't she better off, be better off dead? Yeah. Instead of knocked out, where she could wake up and then come back in and start havoc. It's no. like, oh, she, she attacked. Yeah, you're a professional <laughs> killer. You kill. You don't leave people alive, especially people who have recognized you. 
Oh yeah, because the one of the big things is they're supposed to be these high-end criminals that have never been caught and never been seen, never been photographed. So that's why that's part right. of the drive for them. That's part of the drive. So we go to this stewardess, this fake stewardess. Now she goes to the luggage claim and she puts her bag on the conveyor belt and it goes through the conveyor belt. And then our hero, our star Elliot, says, "Oh, I'll get your bag." And he pokes in his head through the baggage claim. He sees this guy taking a pack, you know, a whatever, a package out of her bag, and he snaps a couple of pictures of him. Well, you could see and, the the because the diamonds weren't concealed at this point, were they? They were just in a clear plastic bag. They were in a clear plastic bag. We should say before this, he's uh, he's one of those annoying movie or television photographers who just takes pictures of everybody. Oh yeah. So he starts taking pictures of, of I am the 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 killer. And he's like, hey, if you ever want to do a sitting, give me a call. And he gives her a card. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because that's how they know who he is. That's how they know who he is. And now, so here's the deal. He sees this person do something shady with a bag. And a security card comes up to him and goes, well, something happened back there. I don't know what it is. If you want to find out, here's my card. It's like, no. What? No, you... Just take the film out of the camera and give it to the... It's like, I I saw something. Something went down. It, why would... And that's I think, a, uh, it, I is, think, it is so fucking stupid. It is so fucking stupid how this movie gets started. It is so dumb. <laughs> well, I think also, well, to your point more so of like this, the movie couldn't have happened, you know, with digital cameras, you can click and go, bup, bup, look at this, this is going on. So that would have eliminated, you know, future tech would have eliminated that entire issue and they would have investigated immediately. Yes, he could have. I took this picture. I can send it to you. Yeah, I can send it to the police or whatever. It's But just the fact that he saw something shady go down is like, well, eh, I don't know if it's anything, but, uh, you know, if you want to get in touch with me, here's my card. It's like, you know. Well, not only that, but the um, security guard didn't investigate. He just went, okay, get out of here. He was more irritated that the guy was sticking his head, you know, through the baggage claim. He's more irritated about that than something else going on. Yeah, even though the guy said, like, something huge just happened. So she leaves the airport, takes, her, takes the roll-on bag that she stole from the woman that she didn't kill, shoves it into the garbage can, then gets into a car... And before the car takes off, start stripping. Yeah. <laughs> nothing. Yeah. Nothing suspicious there. Nothing suspicious there. Nothing suspicious about a woman throwing away her bag and then start stripping down to the waist in the back of a car. Scott. These are the worst <laughs> criminals ever. Security's not what it used to be. Wait, yes, the other this way. Was before. Whatever the opposite is. <laughs> well, I'm just, yeah, security. I mean, this is airport security before 9-11. I understand that. But these are professional killers. And these are professional diamond smugglers. And they're acting like a couple... They're, they're acting like a couple of teenage kids. It's like no one... Maybe that was the undertones of comedy I didn't pick up. It was supposed to be funny, but not only wasn't funny, it was stupid. And I don't think it would have fit with the the personality of, of an actual hired kiddo, killer and oh, an no. actual diamond smuggler. 
Well, not only that, but during this scene, like the the whole thing, they they set up and they mentioned it a few times. But that lady sneeze, I thought that was going to be the giveaway of her like later. But they mentioned it this time, and there's a scene, there's two more scenes where they mention, oh, you're sneezing, and then it never goes anywhere. It never goes anywhere. Yes, I agreed with you. I go, that's going to come, that's going to come back, because it's just too blatant. And it does come back, but it comes back in a very dissatisfying way. Now we cut to a strip club where Dan Aykroyd is DJing, and Rosie O'Donnell is stripping. Uh, there was, there was some fun moments with, I mean, we'll get through this scene, but I, I thought it was kind of, it was interesting. Uh, there was a few, I got a few laughs out of it. I like Dan Aykroyd's, uh, costume. And then I like, uh, Rosie O'Donnell had a little bit of fun with it where she was like struggling to be on the, the pole. And, um, and I, there, yeah. there was a couple of chuckles in there. Yeah. Dan Aykroyd, you know, in his stripper DJ voice. That was, yeah, I, I like that. Good morning and welcome to LA's premier triple X club, The Feather. When the sun comes up, the bras come down. It is dawn and time for our sunrise special. Give it up. But they they fell into that trap where, and I don't understand it because this movie, because this movie has copious amounts of nudity. This movie has a ton of nudity. <laughs> but there's no nudity in the strip club. All the strippers have their clothes on while they're stripping. Oh, there was a couple of topless ladies. There were? Okay, I must have missed them. Uh, <laughs> maybe I'm a deviant. Because I figured, well, there's no way Rosie's going to go topless. They're not going to make her go topless. So if she doesn't go topless, none of the dancers can go topless. I figured that. But you, I think you're right. Like there, it was a quick scene, a cutaway, like in the background. It wasn't, it wasn't anything like there was nothing. None of the her. dancers on the stage were 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 naked no. or stripped, and it's because, well, you know. They would because it would be suspicious if everybody was naked but Rosie O'Donnell. Um, and she was kind of covered up and she had a big boa and she was like, she was fully dressed in this, like, except, uh, you know, she had like short shorts, but, you know, she was fully covered after that. Fully, fully covered, fully covered. So our diamond smuggler, there's an, there's an old guy with an oxygen tank and his henchmen, they're sitting at the bar, and those are the people that Rosie O'Donnell and Dan Aykroyd have their eye on. Our diamond smugglers show up. They make the switch. Uh, his, the, uh, the, the old guy's sidekick takes the oxygen tank into the back. They make the switch, and now they have... And now the old guy has the diamonds, and those two get paid. I don't know if you want to say it, we get back to immediately stupid criminals. Immediately stupid criminals. I, well, what's what's your stu- what what did you find stupid about it? Oh, the, they're still in the strip club, still hanging out. The switch has been made, and the old guy opens up the container to check the diamonds, even though his secondary partner checked for the diamonds and looked at them like very intently with that little I don't know what it's called, but the diamond glass viewer. Um, oh yes. 
And so they're in the middle of the club and the guy opens it up after his, his henchman said, we're all good. And, and that's when Rosie O'Donnell, like, and Dan Aykroyd strike. Yes. So they strike. And as you said, I don't know why the diamond smugglers are still there. The deal is done. They're, but they're still there. And then the cops, you know, the cops bust them. And then uh, the head guy, I forget the head guy's name, damn it. Anyway, <laughs> the diamond smuggler, the diamond smuggler tells his professional hired killer, kill him. <laughs> now, let me ask you something, Will. Yeah. There, There's two people that you have to kill. One is the, you know, the big guy, the top, the head chain of the, of the, you know, whatever crime family they're, they're doing with. And another guy is like a, a peon. Who do you shoot first? Uh, you you go shoot with... the peon first, of course. Oh, yes. okay. I was, I was completely wrong. <laughs> yes. Yes. You don't shoot the big guy first. You shoot the peon first. It depends on and where then we are in the sne- movie. <laughs> this is where the sneezing comes in. She sneezes and she misses the big guy, you know, the, the, the head honcho. And then after all that, they leave and Rosie O'Donnell chases him out. And then we get a voiceover and I'm like, oh no, this move voiceover is such a lazy storytelling device. And we're going to get it from Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> We did get um, in in the strip club scene when all the guns started firing. Once everything settled, we got a good old fashioned check please joke. Uh, yes, it's like one of those yeah the tropes of uh, if you're in a movie theater or if you're in a diner and stuff gets really crazy, one patron or somebody you know it'll cut to that person and they'll go check please. So we got one of those. Right, and then we also got a cops Dunkin' Donuts joke as well. So now all this has gone do- uh, gone down, and then the the you know the the professional killer goes. Well, things didn't go too well in the airport either. A guy took a picture of you, and he's like, "What? Why the fuck didn't you tell me earlier? <laughs> Why are you waiting now to tell me?" Bumbling. And she's like, "Don't worry, I have his business card." It's like you've been white. What? <laughs> worst criminals ever to, uh, uh, most wanted criminals they're top of the game they're the they're the yes. major diamond smugglers that have never been caught and this is i mean we're getting maybe a snip of day in the life of these amazing criminals this, this proves how inept the police are if they cannot catch these two because <laughs> So they're like, well, we got his business card. Let's go to a, let's go to his house and, and find that film. This is our first scene, like our first real scene with the Dan Aykroyd and Rosie O'Donnell out of character. And I will say I appreciated their banter back and forth. They had a good, um, like a good balance, a good flow, a good back and forth. I thought they worked pretty well together when they were just in normal, like interactions, at least in this scene. What doesn't work is when Rosie is by because Rosie is the smart ass, never stop talking person through this whole movie. She's always talking, she's always making jokes, and it's just terrible. There's some awkward her banter moments, with for it. Sure. There, yeah, it's 
there's some really awkward moments. It's like, was that improv and they just left it in because it is so bad. <laughs> and there's a and there's also a running joke between these two yeah. is yeah. Rosie O'Donnell will dis- Rosie O'Donnell will discuss her feminine problems in front of Dan Aykroyd just to make him feel awkward. <laughs> and she does this like three or four times during the movie and it's just juvenile in my in my opinion. It just it wasn't funny, it was just juvenile. I could see it like once or twice like poking them, but it's it was a consistent running joke. Now here's something. How did I miss this? Maybe you know. How did the cops find out Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, it was from the security guard from the airport. Now I remember. So the security guard from the airport says, this guy took a picture of something shady going on, and they jumped to the conclusion that that's our diamond oh, guy? No, the um, uh, the the choked out uh, wit- the uh, flight attendant was giving her testimony, and that's how they figured out... Um, Stuff they yes, to I do, forgot about that. You are correct. Yes, very good. Yes. So since she didn't kill the witness, the witness identified her. So they had her picture. They had the hired, and she has been known to work with this diamond smuggler. So yeah. if we follow her, we can get him, and if we can get him, we can stop this this whole diamond smuggling. They are all. They're all gonna end up on this island called Eden. Because that's where he's going. And he's there as a submissive. And he and everybody on the boat is going to be submissive to all the guests there. And they make a point of saying, and this is something that other countries do. And it's like they've they've legalized prostitution, but they've made it safe. And that's what they make perfectly clear in this movie. It's like everybody who goes there gets tested. Because there's a line in the movie going, well, good news, you're HIV negative. Like, okay. <laughs> this doctor just blurts it out. Good news! You don't have the AIDS. And, uh, okay, wow. <laughs> oh, yeah, on the boat, like, they didn't get the test results back until he was on the boat. And then it was announced, like, halfway there. Now, one thing that's not addressed, what happens... If somebody, I get uh, not somebody, but if a woman, what happens if a woman becomes pregnant on this <laughs> island? Would the would the person be responsible? I get, I, I, I'm that's probably covered in the paperwork. I'm yeah, um, all the the giant contract they made them sign. It's like if you get knocked up, it's not our problem. You're out of there. Yeah, because they kicked they uh, there was a I think Elliot gets quote unquote kicked off the island at one point. Yeah, they try to so kick maybe, him off. But they did have a funny joke uh, on the boat. I thought it was it was a little cheesy, but the the one guy that was on the wrong boat. <laughs> oh yes, is this is the is this the golf? I'm supposed to be golfing with Lee Trevino <laughs> and Chichi <laughs> Rodriguez. <laughs> but that's like right after everybody was like stripping down and after they filled out their contracts, the timing of it was perfect. I, I right. appreciated that like quick little quick little joke how our main character elliot acts it's not consistent because they tell him right here okay get naked and he has no problem getting naked but once they get to the island they all have to show their 
submission to uh, Mistress Lisa, and this is this is Dana Delaney's uh, character, um, who is actually she's top billed. She is the big star of the movie, Dana Delaney, and she plays the she plays the whole mistress. And I just want to go back. How do you how many do you think grandparents were going into the VHS store hoping to get um, <laughs> what? What's that James Dean movie? Um, is it East of Eden? East of Eden. That's it. They're going in. These grandparents are going in. Well, we're going to go see James Dean in East of Eden. And holy shit, what the hell is this? <laughs> Gertrude, I think we're going to have fun tonight. Yes. <laughs> or, I mean, even worse, like seeing... Because when I saw the previews, I thought the main characters of this movie were going to be the two cops. At least that's how it was sold. Because also Rosie O'Donnell and Dan Aykroyd, I saw a lot of like clips of interviews as I was initially searching for the movie. And I thought it was going to be focused on them as the main characters of this comedy. Yes, that's definitely, it was definitely promoted as a wacky comedy of, you know, and Dan Aykroyd and Rosie O'Donnell are known more for their comedy, you know, than the other two leads. This is actually based on a book and the... The oh. Rosie O'Donnell, Dan Aykroyd characters are not in the book. They were added to the movie. I guess they were added for the comedy relief well, and in that's, the movie. I, that's actually how I felt when I was saying like a softcore, like cinematic, or what is it? Cine, uh, uh, I forget the name of the channel. that Cinemax. Cinemax. Uh, like there was a softcore Cinemax movie and... Um, it, it felt like these characters were just, they would shoot the Cinemax movie and then cut to these random characters who happened to be cops looking for the diamond smugglers and they were comedy. And then it would cut back to this like sensual romantic movie. So now that you mentioned that, that, that makes a lot more sense because that's exactly how it feels. Uh, but anyway, talking about, we were talking about Elliot and how he, so he has no problem stripping down, but Every submissive has to go through the runway. And so they're doing this, and he's like, he's covered in his robe. He's like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. This is not something I signed up for. No, no, no. And then he gets well, up on the on the runway, and he's immediately free. He's twerking. He's up yep. there twerking. He's doing all that. It's He's all over the map with his feelings. My, my The question that I wrote down is, uh, he said, this isn't what I was expecting and my question to the to the like just writing it down for this is what was he expecting and signing up for? And like you're you're right, his whole demeanor, like on the boat, is cocky. Uh, as he's walking up and seeing the audience, he's kind of like puffing his chest. And then all of a sudden, he has this major reluctance, and he's like, "I'm not doing this." And then when he gets up there, he just like flaunts it, and then gets up and then just starts showing off for everybody. Yeah, when he says, this is not what I signed up for, you literally went through a very intensive screening process. And you had yeah. meetings and meetings and meetings with your psychiatrist. I, you had to have known that this is what was going to happen. Um, and later we learn he taped a whole bunch of stuff for like interviews to be part of this island. So they vetted him very well to, to know yes. what was going on. Well, Dana Delaney, the head, mitri the head mistress, sees this cockiness and she's like, we got to break him. So put him on work detail. But you can't break a wild horse's spirit. Yes. That's what I got from this movie. No. 
Yeah, you can. <laughs> we we cut back to yeah. L.A. and this is sort of well, Gary Marshall directed. Uh, oh, Hector Alonso was in Pretty Woman. I just realized that. Anyway, um, there's that uh, there's that uh, changing montage in uh, Pretty Woman. Pretty Woman. We have them. We have them. We have a couple of them here with Dan Aykroyd and Rosie O'Donnell trying on bondage and discipline gear. They're trying. They're trying on leather. So we basically have he just he, we basically have the same montage, but with bondage gear and <laughs> and leather. I can hear the song. <laughs> there was a there was a quick scene just before that. I don't know if you caught it, but. Um, as the Dan Aykroyd and Rosie O'Donnell are approaching the uh, S&M store, um, there's a dog and like leather and like a ball chain walking out. Oh, I did not see that. I did not catch that. Yeah, it was a quick little visual that they threw in, but it that I, I was like, what? All right, whatever. <laughs> oh, and just to let everybody know, the bad guys have also followed our, our protagonist. So they know that he's on the sex island as well. So the cops knows he's on the sex island, and the bad guys know he's on his on the sex island. So everybody Comedy knows where this guy is at. Yes. Comedy <laughs> 101. <laughs> now they're going in. Rosie O'Donnell and Dan Ackerman are going in. One's going in as a guest, and one is going in as a maintenance worker. The m- maintenance man and that sets up one of my favorite jokes of the movie yeah wouldn't it have been i guess i don't know wouldn't have been less suspicious if they went in as a couple that's what i that's what i thought too when i saw the previews but they went in as two separate people um and that i guess is so that they can set up a couple of jokes that happen later because that means Rosie O'Donnell just going around as a single woman and Dan Aykroyd is having to work the land instead of doing his job. And now let's take a break with a word from one of our sponsors. Hey everybody, this is Derek McFarland. My co-host, Mean Mark, and I want to tell you all about an exciting new podcast that you may not have heard. We are the Canadian Movie Crew. You can find us at CanadianMovieCrew.com. We host podcasts for new movies coming out in theaters or on streaming. And we also have a bad movie podcast that you can check out called Or Is It, where we try to find the real story behind the story. And on that show, you might even hear a voice that you're very familiar with. So join us, CanadianMovieCrew.com, for movies from a Canadian perspective. And now back to the Dan Aykroyd podcast. So Dan Aykroyd plays the maintenance man at the island. And we're, we, we see these scenes where he's doing maintenance work. Why, why do we have these? Why are we seeing these scenes? He's a maintenance man. And also, they're like randomly clipped in. Uh, yes! It's like there was one scene that I... I it was like it filmed this they went to do the story and then it randomly cut to Dan Aykroyd feeding the koi fish yes you were absolutely and it's like this movie is long enough as it is he's a maintenance man we don't need to see him doing maintenance stuff and but also there's a scene before where we learn a little bit more about the 
the Lisa? Was that that part yet, or was it a little bit after? Are you talking about the flashback? Yeah, we have the flashback where we learn about... It feels like there were like three or four stories trying to come together about this. Yes, so this movie not only has voiceover, but it also has flashbacks. And to me, these are just two of the laziest ways to tell a story. The only thing that we're missing was a dream sequence. I'm surprised this movie didn't have that. Um, (laughs) Oh, okay. You're right, we didn't. Dana Delaney talking to one of her employees and she just has this flashback of her talking to her dad. Her mother just died. The this scene is hilarious for a lot of reasons. She's like <laughs> she goes her, her goes mom just died. She's only 53. And Dana Delaney looks like she's in her late 30s. So I don't so mom and dad looks like he's in his late 60s. Let me ask you this, Will. Finding out that Dana Delaney's mom died and she doesn't have uh, a close relationship with her dad, how does that tie into the story? Uh, that made her... Because we go on in the flash the flash forward. Oh, but what does that particularly do? Yes. Um, to show that people with daddy issues become masters of BDSM islands. Yes. That's what I learned from it. (laughs) You know what I learned? Because her dad was like, what's that? Nothing! Absolutely nothing! (laughs) It had nothing to do with the film! What, Will, you're trying to give this movie more credit. You did this last time, Stepmother is an Alien. That scene had nothing to do with nothing. It could have been cut out of the movie completely. Scott, the deep sociological ramifications of a girl not having a relationship with her father goes deep in our society. So I think it was a a method of them to convey from the book to the movie that daddy issues are a thing. (laughs) But I have no idea. Because then we cut forward. Because there was a long flashback. We got tons. We got flat. We got a. It's. I feel like that scene in uh, we, what Funny Farm with Chevy Chase. We had a flashback. Then we had a flash forward. I think we had a flash sideways. Because <laughs> we go. We go on in her her memory sequence. And you're a hundred percent right. Like we learn that this happens, but then it cuts to this. Like she's a schoolgirl in college. And her professor, like, is grading her paper and then tells her to take her clothes off because she didn't do as well on her paper. And then the professor introduces her to, like, a, a master that he knows uh, that is into BDSM. And then they have a relationship for a quick scene where she's picked up by a limo and has to wait for this guy to tie her up. And then... She says, he says, you can request anything you want. And he's like, I want to be the master. So then we watch him untie her so that she could be in the power of position uh, so that she realizes she doesn't want to not be in control. And that's how she became the mistress of this island. This movie is supposed to convey that women can be strong and have sexual desires and not be taken advantage of by men. 
But to me, it's just it. To me, it just makes it look like she is totally screwed up in the head. She, <laughs> she doesn't come across as the strong character that they, the movie wanted her to come across as. It was like a a facade or wall that she put up. Yes, exactly. We said, and Dana Delaney went full frontal nudity. You see everything. It's just like, oh, you went full frontal for this movie. Oh, no. Oh, no. No, you didn't go. No, you didn't go nude. Scott, it was was tasteful for art, you know. But, because there's a couple... I give Dana Delaney credit. She went for it. She totally went for it. And I give her absolute credit for that. I'm just sorry it was for such a piece of shit movie. Well, I think I think your point uh, at the beginning of the podcast was like the acting's like overall like there's strong there's some strong moments and and she brings a lot of strong moments to the table but just the cohesiveness kind of like this this movie isn't worth what everybody put into it. That is, you are even you are hundred percent that you <laughs> crystallized it perfectly. That's and and I think that even goes down to like the catering team that made food for the day. That's right. If you toasted one bagel for this film, it was not worth it. <laughs> uh, dare I ask, is that bagel whipped with cream cheese or whipped? Oh! Oh, there we go. Is that bagel? That bagel is locked up. Oh! Oh! There you go. There you go. Two ba- <laughs> two bagel puns. How many podcasts give you that? <laughs> Seth Green, if you're listening, um, I know you listened to our last episode. Yes. We would appreciate yes, you call in and give, give us a call. Offer Seth. us a bagel pun. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're off track here. Um, but uh, I uh, one one thing I wrote down was. This movie almost this movie almost felt like a like a three shades of gray at this moment. Oh yeah, it, like this is sort of a, a predecessor to uh, Fifty Shades of Gray, and where that movie was horrible, it made money, and this movie was horrible, and it lost money. So people's people's tastes have changed in uh, softcore <laughs> porn sex movies over the last twenty five years. So, um. We had we finished with the flashback, and then we cut back to um, Dan Aykroyd and Rosie O'Donnell. Uh, first, we we see the criminals getting off the plane, and then on the same plane we have our main cops that are chasing the criminals, getting to the island. Once again, being a it's like uh, I am. She's being she's like this five foot eleven, stunningly beautiful woman. And she's throwing. She's speaking in French, so she's throwing it. So she's. It, it's like you're there. Why are you drawing? Because she's this being belligerent and like yelling at people. Why? Yes. And she's drawing, and Rosie O'Donnell goes, "Do you think that's the? Do you think that's the woman we're looking for?" And Dan Aykroyd's like, "No." <laughs> it's like, wow. How many five foot ten beautiful women? So the cops are dumb. The criminals are dumb. Rosie O'Donnell, you know, Rosie O'Donnell figures it out. I don't know. It's just, uh, take, say, it's, say something. It's just a terrible something. movie. There's there's no, you can't dig yourself out of this hole. It's yeah. it's one of those movies where, 
like you said, I think because they place these characters in the book to kind of sell it, they have to befuddle around and do things like this, where somebody just plugs something in and they go, well, that'll bridge the two scenes, and it doesn't. Because at one point, Dan Aykroyd does something very, very smart, and then at another point, he does something very, very stupid. The only person who's consistent through this whole movie is Rosie O'Donnell. She's her character is consistent, her intelligence is consistent, and even though it's annoying at some points, her smart ass comments because they gave her all the jokes. Dan Aykroyd is basically the straight man. He's too, he, yeah, he's very he has characters very neurotic. He has a couple of like physical humor jokes, but that's as far as his stuff goes other than yeah, being grossed out by Rosie O'Donnell yes. and I mean, he's grossed out by sex in general um cuz we see his character grow at the end. Um, pun intended, um, but well, that's you were talking about uh, running. Ju- I was going to say uh, I just sorry, reiterate the point. Like I haven't watched a lot of Rosie O'Donnell movies, opposed to like uh, aside from like when she's really charactery. But I thought she did pretty good in this. Like I could appreciate her her acting in this. I could appreciate. I think it had a lot more to do okay. with the directing than her acting. I think Gary Marshall might have let her do a little. It's like okay, it's just it's just too much with the. I think when she gets to the, yeah, with the with the with the with the smart with the smart act. I think comment, when she you know, sits, yeah, joke after joke. There's after joke there's some scenes joke. where it's very out of place, so I can see that. But the the quippiness, I I appreciated it because I haven't seen her in this light before. And she actually, you know, Rosie O'Donnell. Uh, <laughs> Is not a is not a petite woman, but she got herself into I would I congrats she got herself into into um, into shape to play this role because she wears a lot of not revealing costumes, but she's she's in a lot of leather and high heel shoes and nylons and yeah. she pulls it off. I think she that's a good way off. to say it. Oh wait, did I skip? No, I think I just blacked out a bunch because we got we got off the plane and they're on the island, and then don't we cut back to Elliot and his uh, ex like his little excursion? The thing is, he's on work detail on the other side of the island, so that's why none of our good guys or bad guys can find him. They basically have <laughs> nothing to do since they can't that, find yep. him. I mean, th- their thing is to try and find him. And they don't want to blow their cover. And, you know, neither ones, ne- you know, neither the bad guys or the good guys want to blow their cover so they can't come out and say, Oh, no, they, they do the so-and-so. whole time because they're called so, citizens on the island. So they're always asking, Oh, where's Citizen Elliot? They're, they're asking the whole staff, like yes. every other second, they're like, Well, not every other second, but. Every other scene, they're asking, oh, we're looking for Elliot. Do you know where he is? And they have to, like, that, I guess that's their main search while we kill time. Oh, Omar. Omar's the name of the, ah. the diamond smuggler. Mistress Lisa has taken a personal interest in Elliot, which you knew that you, know, oh, yeah. you knew that was going to happen. I mean, this, this is basically... It's... It's a sleazier retelling of Pretty Woman, because in Pretty Woman the 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 hooker falls for the guy, and 
you know, and, and she's not supposed to do this. And in this movie, the dominatrix falls for the guy, and she's not. It's it's basically <laughs> the same movie, uh, Pretty Woman, in this. But it's very it's very very similar in, in that aspect of both films, where this woman, granted, in Pretty Woman, the man had, uh, you know, was the was higher up on the society ladder, and here she is. In both their jobs, they're not supposed to fall in love with their clients, and in both movies, it's romance do. at its finest. Yes, that <laughs> Gary Marshall man. Because um, oh, I forgot one of the like probably the top joke of uh, the movie that I thought was like when Dan Aykroyd was getting off the plane, um, right before they get to the island, uh, they're they're like they're worshiping, for lack of a better term. Um, Rosie O'Donnell because she's a paying customer or she was registered as a customer so they're like oh we can do anything to please you let us know and then people are getting off the plane and dad and Aykroyd's last and these beautiful women come up to him uh, and they're like we'll do anything to please you just let us know what you want and he's getting really into it and a staff member comes up and says oh he's just the engineer get away from him and he just the longing look on Dan Aykroyd's face of just like wait no what did I do but then we cut back and is this the scene because I, I don't have a lot of notes between the hijinks of like the Rosie O'Donnell has the talk because they have women meeting groups about um, it's okay to be sexual um, and then Rosie O'Donnell kind of confronts the lady and she's like have you ever been submissive and that kind of freaks out the main lady Lisa Master Lisa, and she's like, I don't want to talk about this, and she ends the meeting. Um, did anything else happen before Elliot and Miss Lisa connect? The only thing that happened was uh, Dan Aykroyd and Rosie O'Donnell get together, and then she does another, uh, an employee comes up to her and says, he comes up to him and says, you know, you're not allowed to talk to the guests, and then Rosie O'Donnell does that thing again where she talks oh, yeah. about buying tampons. <laughs> I'm on the job here. Me too. I have to be at Mistress Lisa's in five minutes. She's having a little welcoming tea for the new guests. Ladies only. We're going to discuss intimate things. Lucky you. So you think there was Nina on the plane? The tall yellow outfit shouting at everybody in French? Hmm. I don't think so. Too obvious. Better keep your eye out for any other possible Ninas. Excuse me. I got a list of chores to do. Oil sex chair. Whoa, whoa, wait. I know you're new, but maintenance people are not allowed to talk to guests. Yes, well, I was just asking if there was a gift shop. You see, I need to get some tampons. Oh, definitely. Super absorbency? Mm -hmm. With odor control? All of that. Perfect. Right this way. Thank you. That's a running joke. <laughs> Women's cramps and tampons and heavy flows <laughs> and clotting. Those are running jokes in this movie. So for only $100, you two can own East of Eden or Exit to Eden. <laughs> yes, so for a only... I'd pay a hundred dollars for East of Eden, but and then we we have this uh, the first like major erotic scene like Miss Lisa's in the pool with her henchwoman or her second because she's training her to be yes. the next her, mistress. Uh, and then they yes. they try to dominate Elliot, and he he learns that he can be dominated. But then they go to the room, and we have this weird scene where he gets spanked again um, and he doesn't like it at first, but then he really like, he has to be convinced he likes it. Uh, 
and then there's this he rubs a Miss Lisa rubs a hairbrush on her nipples or on his nipples and spanks him some more before we get before we get to that she's oh, in yeah. a bathtub and she's like bathe me okay look this is a complete stranger what would it have taken for him just to force her head <laughs> not to be yes he she doesn't know who this person is what would it take for this per like there's there's bad guys on the we've established that there's bad guys on the island this is he isn't one of them but there's so how does she know that he's not just going to force her head under the water and nope. drown her? Because there's nobody around. This guy's a complete stranger. And and she is the most vulnerable. She's naked in a bathtub. How, how could you be that? How could you worry about your daddy issues but not worry about being drowned in your own bathtub? Scott, I didn't think of that until now. So I appreciate your your thought process. Because, yeah, he could... He's he's on the verge of crazy. Yes. Is like they keep talking about his origin, where he's from Australia, and his parents were born in another country. So they keep referring to his weird accent. Born in Australia, but raised in L.A. So he has a combination Australian-Los Angeles accent. It's brought accent. up like four or five and times in the movie. Sorry to distract, but I just popped up in my head. Right. It. No, it's not. It... it yeah, they, they concentrate on something like that, which has no bearing. It's like, ooh, I bet he has a good accent. It's like, well, you've heard him talk. You you know what his accent is. And, but yeah, you're right. He could um, he could go off crazy, and he's already a wild card, and they're trying to tame the beast that is him. Uh, but yeah, and and they end up like... Even if he doesn't kill her, what if he, you know, what if that's his thing, just to, you know, just hold her head up? Yeah, now he's in control. It... It could have just gone wrong. It could have just gone wrong. And now maybe she had. Well, no, you don't see it. I was thinking maybe she had like security secretly around because what we gather is this island is on the up and up. They are really trying to help these people. There's no scam involved here. A lot of times you get a movie like this. It's like oh, the, you know, this is a cult or something like that. They're trying to scam people out of their money. That is not the case in this movie. This case is like this sexual liberation, sexual liberation, sexual liberation, and it is on the up and up. These people are there; they are trying to help. They're not trying to pull a fast one on anybody. It's really beautiful if you think about it. <laughs> Shut up, Will. <laughs> so now we get spanked with a hairbrush, uh, and he yes. he fights it. And then after that, he's told to sleep on the floor in the room with Mistress Lisa. And while she's sleeping, and this is another point to your point, they don't know what's going on with this guy. He gets up and starts like kissing her and stuff, but that could completely go the other way too. Is like she's sleeping with a stranger and nobody else is yes. around. So even more vulnerable is she sleeping next to this guy. Uh, but it ends up he's he's a nice guy, so he takes slight control and like titillates her and she learns that she can give up a little bit of control but she doesn't want to um even though she did it was yeah. an oral sex scene he he performs oral sex on her and we get a pre it, it, i mean we're not we don't get any close-ups but we're shown enough to know that's Skinamax exactly quick. what's going on um 
we see we see the back of his head in her crotch, and she's writhing around in in pleasure. So, it nothing left to the imagination. Yeah. So, this like single white female. Remember what it's like? She she climbed in that dude's bed and started sucking his cock, and he didn't want to. She's kind of well. I don't know. I don't want to say she's been violated, but that's not what she was expecting. And so she. She wakes up and this guy's going down on her. It's like it's just all, it's just all weird. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think, yeah, I know it's about you know sub- submissive and giving up power, but there also has to be consent between two doesn't, people. And, and all this happens. correct me if I'm wrong, but there was a little bit of reluctance, and she's like, "No, no, let's not do this." And then he's like, "Just wait, let me," you know. So uh, to your point, yes. yeah, exactly. There was a little bit of resistance. She asked him to stop, and he said, no, let me take care of it. Let me take care of you. So she did ask him to stop, so, and he did not. To your point, there was, there was a little, a bit of sleaziness. But then a seed grows in her, and she realizes maybe she can be a little submissive. And what I learned from this movie, Scott, is maybe everybody's a little bit of both. Well, you know what I learned from the next scene is Rosie O'Donnell once again starts talking to Dan Aykroyd, and she's like, "I'm getting so oh, yeah. <laughs> goddamn horny on this island." It's um, it's set up as the same joke where she's she's revealing a lot, and he's getting weirded out, even though he's on a massive island of sex positive yeah. people that are just like railing each other. I assume. Um, well, we, we we forgot to talk about the scene where Dan Aykroyd is speaking into a, a tape recorder and he's recording and he's That's like, right. these people, they, uh, they're they so, you know, desensitized. I could do any, it's like, they don't care <laughs> if I'm looking at him. It's like, he's, he, he's kind of freaking out about this, about all these people just enjoying yeah. themselves. Did we, him. did we get to the scene where and, he had uh, his physical... There is a scene where he has to get his physical, and that's where the another running joke through the movie is apparently Dan Aykroyd is very well endowed, and that's getting around. So they so his nickname is Big Boy around the island. Good old-fashioned dick joke. Well, and, there, and there's also, we're forget, there's so many running gags in this movie. It's like, so we've got the Rosie O'Donnell saying about her you know, her feminine hygiene. Then we got Dan Aykroyd with the big dick. And then there's another running gag where Rosie O'Donnell's submissive really wants to get with Rosie and she she's like fending him off. They get assigned a sub and she's not using him at all, which to me would be extremely, you know, suspicious. Is I know I know she's working and that that might not be her thing, but... It's going to be extremely uh, suspicious if you're not using your sub like the other people are using her sub. So it's another running gag through the movie where she's fending off this guy who wants to <laughs> suck her toes. Well, we find well Rosie finally gets a hold of our protagonist. What's his name? Elliot. She she requests him as a sub, and he she has Elliot in the room with him. Here's what you do. Elliot, your life's in danger. Where's the film? I'm a cop. It's sports day. That way. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. 
It's yes, it's sports day. But that's it. You got the guy. This is who you're looking for. It's like, where's the film? I'm a cop. Your life's in danger. Boom. You're, you're, you know, you can put him under protector. You take him to the, you know, you take him to the office. Like, you know, we got to protect this guy. You get the film. It's, it's all Scott, taken care of. At that, you're point. not factoring that's all love. She has to do. Your cold heart has solidified, and you're not factoring that Elliot loves her. Yes. And the skating competition that's happening on the island right now could win him a day with Mistress Lisa. So here's what Rosie O'Donnell does. In fact, you know what? I take it back. She is a stupid (laughs) fucking cop. This is what she does. She has the guy she's looking for. She lets him participate in, in the rollerblade race. And the winner of the race gets to spend time with Mistress Lisa. She puts him out in front of everybody so now the bad guys see him and knows where he is at. There's Elliot. That's what she does. (laughs) Look, there's Elliot in the lead. The man you're trying to protect, you just shoved him into a cage of lions and said, fend for yourself. Love triumphs over all. (laughs) God, I... Love does not does not try it over stupidity. This movie is fucking dumb. For only $100, you could own Exit to Eden. VHS or DVD. Ugh. Yeah. The, 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 the VHS was only five bucks. <laughs> anyway. So Elliot wins. Our bad yep. guy actually meets up and, and gets him after he wins the race. But Miss Lisa steps in and says, no, no, he's not on the, the list of people you can mess with because he has work duty to get to and snaps him off because love triumphs in this movie. Yes, she is now jealous. So what she does is she's going to send him away off the island. She's like, I can't have feelings for you. So what happens is one of her employees gets his bags and brings it to her bedroom. And while this happens, the canisters of film fall out and they fall like between the cushions of a couch <laughs> or something like that. So now the, 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 the film is in her bedroom. The film is no longer with Elliot. And instead, and Elliot's like, I'm not leaving. You know what? We're going to New Orleans. And just like that, we're in New Orleans. We, we learn that she's um, the, the mistress is not only the mistress of the island, but she's like the head honcho that keeps things running and smooth. She is in charge of everything. So her leaving is like a huge deal. It is a huge deal. And, her, and within seconds, everybody knows that they're in New Orleans. The bad guys know. The bad guys ask. They just... Everybody oh, yeah, the knows they're asked, in New Orleans. Uh, the, the other guy, oh, he's been kicked and, off the island, and they went to New Orleans together. And at this point, Rosie O'Donnell finally shows that she's a cop. So she pulls out her badge, and she's like, you know, get Dan Aykroyd. And at this point, uh, I am, the hired killer, sneaks up behind her and fails <laughs> to kill her. The international killer. Being a professional killer. International killer, slayer of men and women. 
she's this is the third person she's she's not able to kill. So her so she, so Rosie O'Donnell is in a black leather dominatrix outfit, and I am is in a red dominatrix out you know outfit, and they're wrestling on the floor. And Dan Aykroyd walks in. It's like, oh, excuse me, I didn't mean to <laughs> waka interrupt. Waka. And Rosie O'Donnell's like, she's trying to kill me, you idiot. And these these two cops cannot take care of this woman. And I thought, I like, when is Rosie O'Donnell's going to punch her in the face? And then Rosie O'Donnell punches her in the face. I'm like, thank God. Um, we did get a good joke here too. The um, cuffer. I don't have my cuffs. Uh, tie her up or something and the quip of we're the only two people on the island without handcuffs get off of me whoa well that's hard don't aim wow she's trying to kill me you idiot I don't have any cuffs. We're the only two people on this island without handcuffs. Let me go. Where's Slater? He left with Lisa. No sign of Omar. Tie her up. Nina Blackstone. Are you going to tell us where your partner is? I don't know what you're talking about. Honest, I'm just a guest here. Right. Listen to me. Don't fight him. Let me go. I made a mistake. Surrender arrest. Sheila, read her her rights. Make sure she understands. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you. Stop it. Stop it. Hey, come on. You're going to tell us where I'm at. No, 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 no. Now, that is something I would not have been capable of. So the bad guy, what was Omar, has a connection in New Orleans. This is hilarious. Out of all the tropes I've ever seen, this one has done the worst. He just so happens to have this, um, he calls up this guy who he knows in New Orleans, who's part of like a musical, like street group, who's talking to a Tom Cruise lookalike so they can scam people. And uh, the funny part that I find is like this guy teleports all over New Orleans as our main characters are teleporting all over New Orleans. Uh, so that that's the part that I find hilarious is like he's on a skateboard and they're driving this like really nice car, but he's able to keep up with them everywhere they go across the entire state. Our bad guy gets to New Orleans. New Orleans and our cops get to New Orleans. They're in the hotel room. Uh, Elliot puts butter and cinnamon on Dana Delaney's boob and starts licking it off. And she gets a phone call. You got to get back to the island. And she's like, I don't want to go back to the island. And they don't. And they go on a tour. So they go on this tour of this old house. The henchman's right behind them. The henchman's right behind him. And he lets Omar know that they're in this house. And then when the cops get to New Orleans, they go to their hotel. They finally get the guy at the front desk to oh, tell them where they went. Another amazing so, erotic scene. That's how Scott. we're going to get to that. <laughs> oh, I have not forgotten about that. It's all very trite. It's all very simple. How everybody knows that they're on this tour of this old Louisiana mansion. Well, during the tour of the mansion, they say the upstairs is off limits. 
So what do our two uh, protagonists Ooh, do, sneak Will? upstairs. But a cashier sees them, and all they do is that little finger thing. The employee, like, notices they're going upstairs, and they go, Shh, don't tell anyone. And she just smiles and shakes her head and goes back to reading her book. So our two main characters have sex in a public place in this bedroom. With the windows open. (laughs) But it's shot tastefully. It's in one of those beds that have the sheer... Like the see-through drapes. Material. Yeah, the sheer... uh, It's... I guess it's tastefully shot. Well, the, the, the bad guy shows up. He flips through these... He's in the car... And he parks in this emergency spot, but, like, flips through these signs and puts VIP parking, but he also has, like, emergency parking. Oh! Oh, 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 oh! Yeah, but before we go, uh, um... There, uh, uh, where do I have that? Uh, Rosie O'Donnell does a voiceover saying that somebody matching Omar's description pulled up in front of the... The... Oh, yeah. Mansion. How could anything match his description? They don't know what he looks like. That's what the whole fucking movie is about. To get a picture of him so they know what he looks like. How can anybody have a description of him? But we're not done yet, Scott. We still have fun movie stuff to do. That's <laughs> We're not done yet. But yeah, they he flips through signs and puts up a random sign and he... He, with a monocle, like, talks to the cashier lady. Uh, and he's like, oh, where did these people go? And um, she's like, well, if you buy something, I'll tell you. And so he's like, okay, I'll buy something. Oh, they're right upstairs. And then so he works his way upstairs where they're going for round three, round two. And, um, <laughs> yeah. and then, Two or three. Uh, they, like, he shuts the door behind them. And I don't, they're not surprisingly startled. I mean, I guess being on an erotic island with people walking around everywhere, uh, you know, I I would be a little, like, put back. Like, wait a minute. We're not supposed to be up here. What are you doing up here? Especially since she recognized him from the island. Oh, it's it's you from the island. What are you doing here? Out of the hundreds and hundreds of people she spanks, she recognizes this guy. I guess you never forget an ass. (laughs) You never forget an ass. So he pulls a gun and, like, where's the film? Where's the film? And he gives them the film and the camera, not knowing that that's not the film that he needs. And they start fighting, and then somehow Dana Delaney gets pushed out the window over the bow. She's she's got a curtain around her, to, so it's basically they can you know use the stunt double. Well, she um, he gets the gun knocked out of and, her hand, and she picks up the gun, but I guess she's lost her dominating ways because she doesn't shoot or doesn't threaten or doesn't do anything, and the bad guy, Omar, pulls out a knife and, like, tackles her out the window. And that's how she ends up outside. I forgot about that! She has a gun, he has a knife, and he wins the (laughs) fucking battle! And, well, she goes flying over the... She goes halfway over the balcony, and that's exactly when Rosie O'Donnell and Dan Aykroyd pull up. Once again, serendipity! Rosie climbs up the, the lattice to the balcony, and Dan Aykroyd goes in through the front door. I was going to say there there's one part when Rosie's just about to climb up the lattice and they they put these little uh ADR moments like they those audio recordings. First, I love the audience bystanders because 
um, at the beginning of the movie at the island, like the people sitting in the audience, the extras, one has a line like, oh, the showmanship and ceremonies, you know, like making me titillated and excited. And this was another moment where like the audience is like the extras are really dumb. They point up and they're like, oh, they must be reenacting something. And as as uh, Lisa, Mistress Lisa's almost dying, falling off the balcony. Um, and then one thing I thought was really funny was as the as Rosie O'Donnell's running to climb up the lattice, um, one you hear a voiceover go, "Look, oh look, she's got a gun!" But you can clearly see in the scene she doesn't have a gun. But they didn't have that cut in so that she <laughs> could have a gun when she gets back to the top. So I thought that was a funny little like cheat that they did because when she gets to the top her her gun is drawn you are right rosie o'donnell climbs up the lattice she gets uh, does she get shot um i think she somebody fires and hits once she peers out hits him once he runs up with a knife and stabs her in the hand which again um yes that's kind of hanging on by one hand and then um dan Aykroyd like kicks through the door and shoots him a second time and kicks him off the ledge. Yes. Shoots him twice. He falls off a three, a two story building. And then the voiceover goes, well, Omar survived. And what, how, how the, he, what is he? Michael Myers? How did he got shot twice and fell out of a building? How is he surviving? They're in new Orleans, but they're from LA and they went on this, island that is in international waters they're just la cops and they're running around new orleans shooting people they're out of their jurisdiction what is going on i have no idea what would you know what would have been the the smart thing to do would have been to call new orleans police and say this is going on that's how i think it would have happened because they they well in real life it's like it would have taken them time to get there Contact the New Orleans police. Let them know what's going on. Let them help you catch this guy. It's just, you know, lazy writing that they they were able to find these yeah. people. Again, I think this is going back to, like, there's a uh, book and the ending was... I have no idea. I don't know what the book's about, but I, I presume it, like, they run off to Las Vegas, or sorry, they run off to um, uh, New Orleans and live relatively happily because we there's a little bit of a scene afterwards but um because because after omar falls off the balcony then we go back to the police uh station in um new orleans right right so they go to the police station and they're doing all their police work there even though they're they're la cops yeah that didn't make sense to me Dan Aykroyd and Rosie O'Donnell has uh, Elliot in another room. And while Dana Delaney, Mistress Lisa, is waiting, the waiting room of the cop, I'm not trying to make light of this, but it's just so heavy-handed. The waiting room of the police station is just filled with abused women. And they're like, what am I going to do? I can't leave my husband. He has all the money. Well, he's beating you, darling. And Dana Delaney... This affects her. You know, she gets all choked up about it. Because what is it? How does this affect it, her she, will? It's, she I, sees I'm how women are... She doesn't She doesn't want to go back to being controlled. Like the flashback that we saw, 
Um, it, it reminds her of her past life when she was in being controlled by other people. And um, so she, she didn't want to give up control again. That's it. She didn't want to give up control to Elliot. Even though her heart and her body longs for him. All these beaten women in the New Orleans police station convinced her. It's like, well, if I give myself over to a man, I'm eventually going to get the <laughs> shit kicked out of me by him. That's the, that's the conclusion. That's the conclusion so she, she drew. She runs off and cries outside um, the police station because she's conflicted. And Elliot, he he doesn't see any of this. He's like, well, you just go back to the hotel and I'll meet you there. And I'm like, she ain't going back to the hotel. She's going back to the island. It's like, I knew that. Well, wouldn't, I mean, tropical island um, with a whole bunch of sex slaves versus one little tiny hotel room in New Orleans. I don't know about you, Scott, but I'd pick the island. Well, I mean, I knew she was going, oh. I knew she was going to leave him. I knew that was happening. <laughs> I, I knew it wasn't going to be permanent, but I knew that was the, I knew that was that- the next beat in the movie. We get a cameo by Dan Aykroyd's real life wife, oh, really? Donna Dixon. She comes in. That's yeah, that blonde. That's Dan Aykroyd's real life oh. uh, wife, Donna Dixon. And she comes in and says, "You know, tell Dan. Well, not, you know, tell Frank. That was his name. Tell Frank I'm double parked out front." And Frank comes out and he's like, "Yeah, well, we're gonna try to work it out." So he's telling this to Rosie O'Donnell. I called her, flew her into New Orleans. We're gonna try to work it out because it turns out that he bought a vi- he bought a vibrator. So he's starting uh, to get island. a little like sexually explorative. Bye bye. Thanks for your help. I got that stuff faxed, so I'm ready to take off. Fred, your ex-wife is here. She's outside. What is she doing in New Orleans? Uh, I flew her in for the weekend. We're actually talking about you know maybe taking a shot at putting it back together. Ah, oh, Fred, that's nice. See you in the office on Monday. Hey. Nice job, partner. We're both good. Thanks, Fred. Hey, Fred. Hey, Fred. Why are we pretending that your bag isn't buzzing? You thought I'm vibrated. Just a razor. Fred, God, I'm vibrated. No, I knew it. Yes, you did. I can't believe you. Did you get it on the island? Yes. They had a discount for employees. It's for Bonnie. See you back in L.A., partner. All right. Hey, I'm ovulating, Fred. An egg was just released into my fallopian tube. Oh, another one just dropped, Fred. Oh, it's in my uterus. Fred. God, I love that guy. Kind of way. But the 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 scene that okay, they're again they're from L.A. They're in a, a stranger's police station. They're they're not at a home police station. And Rosie O'Donnell's on the phone. She calls. Does she call Mistress Lisa? Or no, who does she call to she calls follow Elliot. up? And she's yelling at other police people, like police, yeah, police people in the station. And it's not her station. She's, she turned around and she's like, I'm on the phone. No, it's not her station. Which means like when she did that, you know, when she did that joke about her period and her bodily fluids, she's doing the, you know, that might fly at the L.A. station. Yeah. They all know that this is a thing that she does. These are people that she doesn't know. This is a police station she's never been to. And like you said, she's yelling at other cops. She's shouting about her period <laughs> and her clotting. It's like, good God. So, yeah, Rosie O'Donnell's on the phone and can hear and uh elliot's voice that he's sad on a follow-up question so 
she she says hey you know sometimes it's like she gives him a pep talk and then uh, what is it doesn't she after this like she flies back to the island to go pick up the film yes she flies back to the island to pick up the film but also to talk to mistress yeah. lisa about elliot and they have the talk it's like in like you said it's okay to give up control sometime a lot of men are pigs but Elliot's not one of them. And my question is, <laughs> for the, how do you know that? You've you've met the man once. Yeah, not even not even for any kind of period of time. It was I want to go on a roller skating content. I I feel for this woman and she says, "Okay, go, get out of here." So maybe 2 minutes she talked to Elliot. Yeah, and then in oh, the police station, but she has not spent any men who are terrible to women don't start off terrible to women. They charm them first. That's what happens, and then and then they turn into monsters later. So really, Rosie has no idea if this guy's a monster or not, or if this guy's a good guy or not. But he's she's there advocating for him. <laughs> then Mistress Lisa walks into her room, and there's Elliot in a tuxedo, all tied up, and he proposes to her, "Let's get married." And there was that weird little cutaway that, like, the second girl. Like the kind of opens the blinds and peers through to see what's going on, but I guess voyeurism's yeah. a thing. You know, let's get married after a week. Why don't we do that after knowing each other a week? <laughs> let's get married now. I know this is all talking about love, and and they're trying to be sweet here. And I know it's a movie. There is no realistic part of this movie, and I'm not talking about the weird out parts. I'm talking about. The way the police did their procedures, that's not realistic. The way people acted around murder and mayhem, that's not realistic. People falling in love and getting married in a week, that's not real. It's just, I would have let it slide if it yeah, was a better where movie. Where you tie things up in a bow. I don't mind, if it's a good movie and I'm entertained, it's like, I'm fine with that. But when a movie is this bad and this stupid, I can't cut it any breaks. And I'm going to nitpick it. Because... It is so bad, it deserves to be nitpicked. After they have that scene, doesn't it cut to Rosie O'Donnell after that? Like, exiting the island? Yes. She's exiting the island, and her submissive is a big-time business owner, and he owns a building in in Los Angeles. Yeah, he's a big CEO. And they're dating. So the movie ends with Dan Aykroyd getting back together with his ex-wife, Dana Delaney and Elliot. They get together and uh, Rosie O'Donnell is dating this guy. And it just ends there. It ends with like uh, up in a bow. Everything's fine. Everybody's dating. Everything's uh, fine. Yeah, because we're flying off and we get the last narration while they're fill- filling us in like with nothing. And then the credits roll. That's it. That's the movie. That was Exit to Eden. And what did you think of this movie, Will? Oh, Scott, I don't... When you said it was a bad movie, it, you were not lying. It was a bad movie. This movie, I just remember this movie getting universally panned and just universally just throttled when it first came out. It had a $30 million budget. It Holy made $6 cow. million. <laughs> I didn't know those numbers. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, it was um, it was less convoluted than... My Stepmother's an Alien, I think. The stories were at least attempting. But I think it was worse than My Stepmother's an Alien. It's it's a hundred it's it's way worse than yeah. My Stepmother's I'm, an Alien. Because it, it just feels yeah. like 
like you said, we said at the beginning, you said it was a book and they just added the extra stuff on top. And that's what it felt like. Nothing was together. People were teleporting around. Everything was hurried. And then they added a soft core, like Cinemax film in between everything. Like I said, I had to stop it a few times to take a break, to reset myself, to come back and finish this for you and your audience. I appreciate that. Let's just say this movie earned its 7% on uh, Emphasis Tomatoes. on the exit. All the good things are in the... Tra- the few good things are in the trailer. Don't bother no. hunting down this movie. Don't bother buying this movie. It's not worth watching. It is an atrocity. And, I mean, it's like... It's a well-shot movie. It's a well-acted movie. It's it's stupid and poorly written. Everybody did... the. Yeah, Everybody did their a good job with the parts they were given. It was just I think for it this was just movie. a, a muddling of, of too many genres. It's it's not. It's like it was trying to be like romantic and sensual, but uh, there was also comedy. So it was also trying to be funny, and it was also trying to be dramatic with the you know the diamond smugglers and yeah yeah. Then we got a heist. We got a heist movie. I think it was just yeah. too much of everything that came together to be nothing. So there you have it, everybody. Will and I both agree. Stay away <laughs> from this it. movie. Uh, don't bother. It's it's barely watchable. I will never watch uh, this will, movie again. Most of never. the movie was already forgotten. Uh, I'm just glad I had my notes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Before we get out of here, Will, anything you want to uh, promote? I have a Twitter at gnome period on the go with periods in between. And my email address is www.will.com at gmail.com. I will put all that in the description of this podcast. I want to, Will, I know this was a tough one. I'm going to, next time I'm going to, we're going to get, we're going to do a good one. We're going to do something no, I, that we're both going to I love gonna watching enjoy. bad movies, man. If you, if you have more stuff we got to dig through the trash for, I'm willing. Okay, we'll, we'll do that. All right, and uh, I am Scott White. And we'll see everybody next time here at the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. To support this podcast, please go to www.patreon.com slash scottwhite and give what you're able. If you're listening on iTunes, please give a review. That should help people find this podcast. And no matter what services you use to listen, please leave feedback. We always want to improve. Thank you for listening to the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. Now, this is usually the point in the podcast where I will end it with a clip related to the movie or project that the podcast was just about. But since this movie is so bad, and we referenced it a couple of times in the podcast, here is a scene from East of Eden. Cal, listen to me. You can make of yourself anything you want. It's up to you. A man has a choice. That's where he's different from an animal. You don't listen. You'll never remember. My mother, she's not dead and gone to heaven, is she? Why do you ask that? She's not dead at all. She's not buried in East like you said either. She's alive. What makes you think so? I heard from a guy. Who? I don't know his name, he's just passing through. How come you told Aaron and me she died? I thought it would save you pain. Pain? 
Is she... If she was still alive, where do you think she'd be? I have no idea. She... she went east. How do you know? When she left the ranch we lived on, when you and Aaron were born, I heard she went east. What was she like? Was she bad? I guess she... I never really knew what she was like. She wasn't like other people. It was something she seemed to lack. Kindness, maybe. Conscience. I never knew what she was after. How come she left you? I never knew that either. She was so full of hate. Hate for you? For everything. You won't tell Aaron that she didn't die. No. Let's not do anything to hurt Aaron. Get that scar you got on your shoulder, Father. I've told you, Cal. It's an old wound I got in the Indian campaigns. Why do you ask that now? What'd she look like? Was she pretty? She had the most lovely hands, like ivory. She took such good care of them. Her mother had arthritis. She was always afraid it would come to her in her hands. Talk to me, father. I gotta know who I am. I gotta know what I'm like. I gotta know... Where is she? I'm telling you truthfully, Cal. After she left, I never heard from her. Cross This has been a Cross the Streams Media Podcast.